It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Asylum, and now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome into the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs on the Arena Sports Network, and uh, welcome back for another show in the Nuthouse, and we bring it, you know, this has been kind of like old folks month here. Uh, Last week, we had uh, one of the oldest friends of the Asylum on in uh, Dave Cherney. Chronologically, of course. Yeah, chronology. I mean, I have to assume this guy may be the oldest friend chronologically of the asylum. Well, he's young, but he's well, an I old know, friend. Yeah, you know, old friends. We've known him the longest, I think, and uh, it's Detroit's own Dennis Farrell. Welcome in. They haven't kicked me out yet, have they? Of Detroit? Yeah. I I don't know. You tell us. Was that on the verge? Was it close? I'm still legally here. Let's just say it like that. Well, that that's good enough then. So, how's it going, man? What have you been up to? You know, it's okay. I'm I'm getting back into the fantasy football mood. I've been spending my time doing wrestling stuff. So, uh, if you play fantasy football, you can't make fun of me for like wrestling. So, uh, the joke's on you. <laughs> All right. So, so you're the wrestling expert. So, the WWE is going to be your account, Dennis. Explain to me why on Sunday I watched a pay per view entitled "Great Balls of Fire." Because you're not married and you had nothing else to do. <laughs> well, it's just the name that bothered me. It actually wasn't that bad of a show. But who in creative came up with that name? You you know what? I, it brought me back to the days of the old Southern WCW wrestling with the kind of the campy pay-per-view names. I, I was okay with it, but it, it was all right. It was an all right name. What what did you think? I, I like the gimmicks that are so over the top. They're not believable with Roman Reigns crashing an ambulance with Braun Strowman. <laughs> and that was fantastic. I, it was so horrifically fake the way that truck and ambulance basically just ex- melted when they touched each other. That's good stuff. That's what we need more of in wrestling. I, I'm I'm with you. I I sat back, and my father-in-law, who is the most judgmental character alive watched it with me and he he said all right that was cool but the rest of this is stupid more of that less paul Heyman. that's what i say well i think we actually need many more matches of seven foot guys against uh four foot enzos <laughs> i mean it's just that was just beautiful i would listen to enzo read a phone book though that's <laughs> i like that bit yeah i i like him too and i'm glad they broke up though yeah you know i would See, if I was writing for WWE, since Cass turned on Enzo, I would have had Enzo, I would have pushed him, like maybe he take, you know, he would have taken the light heavyweight title and Cass is still struggling trying to get his belt and then then you could build heat that way. The light heavyweight title. Hey, I mean, they seem to be pushing it. Or junior heavyweight, whatever they call it. You know what I'm saying. Oh, man. I, I'm about to get super nerd. I'm like, dude, it's called the Cruiserweight Championship. Oh, oh yeah, Cruiserweight. Oh. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm still old school. I'm, I'm still four horsemen. You know I mean? That was that was the classic time to me. Absolutely. So you just haven't been into the fantasy football thing. It's what seems to be the problem. We have to get the juices no. flowing again, man. You know, I, I, I've got a podcast, and I've been just kind of procrastinating getting it going. I've, I'm a state up to date. I'm up to date on the news and, and all this stuff. You know, this Ricky Williams kid's going to break out and everything, so I'm going to keep an eye on him. <laughs> Saints, keep an eye. But no, in, in all honesty, I just got to get motivated to do the podcast. And, you know, you're the second podcast I've done, uh, but number one in my heart. 
So maybe this will get the juices flowing. I just, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited, and I'm thankful you guys brought me on. Well, we're certainly glad you came along. It's been a while. We haven't talked to you for a while. But, you know, for the, for the casual listener out there, yeah, there's a ton of podcasts out there. But I'll tell you what, if you d- haven't done a podcast, it's time-consuming. And, you know, it's it, it does take a lot of effort to put these things together, especially when you're day job schmucks like we are i agree and you know i i was talking to a friend and he goes you you never told me you were on esp and all this stuff which i was at one time and it hit me at that moment that i just don't like to brag that i was a has-been so maybe that's part of my problem is i just need to you know wipe the dust off me and get back on the horse and and do it Oh, at this point, I dream of has-been status, Dennis. That's what I'm hoping for someday. Well, <laughs> let's get... Are you guys were on radio? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Up and on. Yeah, we've been, you know, we've been here and there. But, I mean, you know, that's the thing. You know, We're not has-beens. You look at Kurt Warner, the greatest show on turf. Then he was backing up in uh, Arizona and all of a sudden taking the Super Bowl again. I mean, you know, you just dust off and just start again. And there you go. But here the problem i'm right now like new york giants kurt warner <laughs> hey they were five and two when they benched him so i mean i still haven't seen uh, the whole thing of that one either <sighs> all, all right, right. Well, let's jump let's into this. this thing let's talk some I, fantasy I'm trying to be optimistic here i mean you know, i'm trying to talk him down here you know you being optimistic nobody every lying. week <laughs> All right, let's get into a little bit of fantasy football here. What, what we're looking to talk about today, here, here's the ADPs are coming out, the Scott Fish Bowl's rolling, everybody's just mocking their brains out right now. There are so many guys out there that I think are being completely overvalued, or at least guys that I value way, way below where they're currently being taken or where the, the fantasy Illuminati and fantasy Twitter tell you they, they, they should be drafted. Just wanted to go through those guys. You can chime in on who we have, Dennis, or anybody you have, however we want to do it. I want to start out with Christian McCaffrey. All right, this guy, we had Dave Turney on last week, and he brought up an excellent point and something that had been stuck in the back of my mind a long time. This guy is going to be a good, dynamic football player. I do not in any way see him as a fit in Carolina. You still have Jonathan Stewart hanging around, which isn't much to to write home about, but he's still around. When's the last time you saw Cam Newton throw a short dump-off pass with any type of feel on it whatsoever this guy is going about as a wide or as a running back eight nine somewhere in that realm i do not see christian mccaffrey as a number one running back at least right now and in this situation that he's in wait that that's pretty interesting because you know you got a guy like leonard fournette who's going higher than him and the one thing i do like about christian mccaffrey is he's going about the round where i'm going to start looking to take a running back because if I don't have the first three picks, I'm not taking a running back until round four in the traditional 12-team league. So, you know, maybe Christian, I think right now he's going uh, round three, pick nine-ish, depending on. But, you know, if he falls around four, I would jump all over him. Uh, he was probably at that position, probably just as good as uh, Spencer Ware, uh, Carlos Hyde, and Doug Martin. So I, I think he's going perfect. Now, when he starts getting in the Amer Abdullah treatment and has one big play and then everybody's like, oh, I'm taking him in the third round this year, I'm totally out. I'm in if he just slips a little bit or maybe in that area where, you know, third round, you might get the guy that's like, I don't like rookies. I'm, I'm definitely taking you know, Adrian Peterson. Uh, maybe I believe in Ty Montgomery around that area. I'm going to bring up another guy it, it, right in that same realm. Uh, everybody seems to be jumping all over Joe Mixon. And Jerry Mahill, look, there's not going to be room for three of these guys. you got Bernard, you got Hill, and now uh, Mixon. And everybody says he's going to take over the starting spot. Well, okay, either A, you don't need Jerry Mahill anymore and or Bernard, one of the two, or – you know, he's, he's not the starter, or I still see this is just a shared backfield, and I just don't see him. I mean, these guys, I mean, they have him ranked right up there um, over dedicated starters. 
Uh, we had a, a discussion on the last show about Mark Ingram. In PPR formats last year, he was a number eight scoring running back. Now, I, I granted Adrian Peterson's there, but, you know, Peterson doesn't even catch the football. I mean, they have mixing four, five, six spots over Ingram. And I, I'm, you know, in Cincinnati, if they ran a dedicated running back, you know, you could buy into it, but they just never seem to do that. Here's what I hate about Joe Mixon. He's he's overvalued right now. There's there's no way, and I know kind of Christian McCaffrey's in the same boat, a little bit of a crowded, but we all know when that come when that time comes, Christian will be the starting running back. He he might be the only healthy running back at that point. Right. But you know, depending on whose rankings you're looking, he's going around or maybe just as high as a Marshawn Lynch, which, you know, granted Marshawn's older, was retired, but he's now behind a better offense, a better offensive line. There's no way I would even look at Joe Mixon before Marshawn Lynch. The The fact that he's going in the third round, whoever's mocking right now are, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, are idiots. You, you nailed it on the head. There's a three-headed monster there. The one thing I would do is if I'm in a a maybe a clueless keeper league where you know you're with you and twelve friends and they're not really checking roto wire every day, that's where you might find the value in mixing at, at like round four or five. Those guys will probably pass up on them. But it, once again, you know you're you're going to check all the all the preseason games and the notes to see what this guy's doing because I guarantee by the end of the day, at best. 30% of the carries at best. So heading into 2017, this is a question I haven't been able to answer yet. Is there a fantasy viable running back in Cincinnati this year? I kind of think if it's PPR, you're going to go with Bernard again. He's just the safe PPR pick. Uh, you know, Jeremy Hill, I would probably get him just based on where he's been falling. I mean, these guys are just tumbling Cincinnati running backs other than Mixon, who's been immune to the tumble in the mock drafts. Uh, you know, I'm looking through a mock. Uh, I'm looking through an updated ADP right now. And I, as I'm scrolling down, I'm like round eight in Jamal Charles and I haven't seen anybody yet. So, yeah, you know, you hear Jeremy Hill round 10. I take that in a heartbeat. Uh, I have a zero running back strategy that I've adopted the last three years. And a guy like Jeremy Hill in round 10 or 11 is perfect for me because I'm not going to – I refuse to overpay for a running back. Now, is this this a crazy thought here? We just talked about, you know, a three-headed monster in Cincinnati. Do they want a three-headed monster? Or is it possible where a guy like Jeremy Hill is, you know, maybe they cut a deal, you know, cut, him, cut ties with him, free up some cap money or something, and somebody like – I don't know. A New York, they have no talent in the backfield. Somebody, you know, Giants I'm talking about. Maybe even Indianapolis with 34-year-old Frank Gore. I don't know. Something like that would pick up. I mean, the kid's still, what, 24 years old. He had nine touchdowns last year. He can find the end zone. I mean, is that crazy that they let him go and somebody else picks him up? I think it is. I mean, what Cincinnati's motivation for helping another team out without without getting something in return? And – you don't know what you have in any of these three running backs. At least two of these three are proven not to be able to handle a full workload. Uh, Hill and Bernard were great as a tandem. And as fantasy owners, we were happy with the way, you know, in PPR you get Bernard. You were happy. It didn't cost you a lot. You were happy with Jeremy Hill. They throw Mick. I don't know if I'm as worried about Mixon taking up that much production I would worry on Mixon if I'm taking him in the third round. But if I'm taking, you know, my Cincinnati running backs in round 10, 11, 12, or 13, I'm not worried too much. You're, you're picking those guys up for sleeper potential. And you just don't know. Mixon could – remember, Cincinnati bungles. And, and, and this kid has had incidences. Could he be suspended? Could he find some trouble? Sure. Could he be injured? Absolutely. Then you've got gold on your hands. Yeah, and on the plus side, you put a guy like Jeremy Hill 
with character issues on a team with Pac-Man Jones, no one's really going to notice. So you don't have to worry about him <laughs> being suspended because it's just not even going to make the headline. What I find interesting about Jeremy Hill is with those nine touchdowns, I almost wondered down where you could get him. He is a value, and I've picked him up in a lot of these MFL 10s and these best ball leagues where I think he starts to fill maybe a, a LeGarrette blunt light type of role where he becomes completely touchdown dependent. But if he can roll up nine to 12 touchdowns, he – he more than pays for that draft spot. You mentioned somebody, Dennis, at the beginning of this conversation when we were talking about mix, mixing in Marshawn Lynch. Now, now here's a guy I do not have value nearly as high as a lot of folks. I looked at one uh, ADP list not too long ago, had him at uh, the RB10. So you're, you're talking about a number one running back. Look, we all know what the guy can do. We, we love him. We all know what he's about. I'm just about that action, boss. See, he's about that action, boss. <laughs> but here's my concern. He hasn't played for a while. He doesn't strike. I could be dead wrong here. He doesn't strike me as the workout warrior type. I have to believe he's going to come in and early on miss some time, a, a hamstring, a groin, a something here or there. I love the offensive situation he's in, but I almost see him fitting a Latavius Murray type of role, the big run here or there, finishing drives off, a lot of touchdowns. I don't know if that equates to an RB1 for me. Here's the way I'll put this, and, and you make great valid points. Am, am, am I all in on Marshawn Lynch in the second round? No, but hey, look yeah. who our other. <laughs> but look who our other options are. Would I take Marshawn Lynch over Todd Gurley? Absolutely. Uh, would you guys? At this point, I think I would. Um, Today, I have right been very this- close. Yeah, I, I think Gurley may exceed a little expectations. Or well, I mean, expect. I mean, from last year. Uh, results, you know, just some of the moves that law that, that the Rams have made on the line. They brought in some veteran help. I don't for the long haul. I don't see this Ram offensive line, um, st- you know, staying viable. I mean, they brought in uh, who was it? Whitworth. He's in his twelfth season, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, of course, they brought in uh, who was it? Oh, Sullivan from Minnesota. He plays in like his tenth year. So I mean, these guys aren't young. But I think for the short term, Gurley's going to be okay. But I still have Lynch ahead of him. I, I'm going off the Fantasy Football Calculator, which is a great site for ADP. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is going actually one pick ahead of Todd Gurley. I trust Marshawn Lynch more than I trust Todd Gurley. DeMarco Murray. Do you guys trust DeMarco Murray going into this year? We love what he did last year. Can he keep it up? I would put Marshawn Lynch on the same page as DeMarco Murray. DeMarco's going three spots ahead of him. I don't trust Lamar Miller. I don't trust Isaiah Crowell. Uh, you know, all those guys will have good years, but Todd Gurley is sandwiched in between those running back, or not Todd Gurley, but Marshawn Lynch. Out of all those guys, I think if it's a trust factor and you feel comfortable with a running back, you know, I would take Marshawn Lynch over Miller, Crowell, Gurley of, as of today because I haven't seen anything that will show me that Gurley will have a better season than he did last year, and I would kind of call it a push to DeMarco Murray. Okay, I, I'm I'm a little <laughs> over the fence. I, I, I like Murray better because I think Tennessee is going to be pretty good. And and I kind of like DeMarco Murray better there, but I tend to agree with you on Gurley uh, and Miller. Um, I feel sorry for Crowell because I really like this kid. But Cleveland is just horrible. But I, I think Crowell's going to have a pretty decent year this year because I, I think they've established he's the guy. I mean, he didn't lose a whole lot of playtime to Duke Johnson last year. And, you know, I think they're going to have to rely on him. But I still – I'm with you. I still think I'm taking Lynch. It's, they're on a high-powered offense. And you – in my mind, that's that's a tan, uh, tangible right there. If you're on a high-powered offense and you're close in positions, you give me the guy on the offense who's going to score a lot of points. Let's jump back to DeMarco Murray real quick. Do, do we have any – I'm do we have any fear? I'm starting to let the rumbling – the Derrick Henry rumblings get to me. If you read anything coming out of Tennessee or anything coming out of the, the major fantasy fantasy sites, this guy is about the second coming of Jim Brown and his offseason workouts and what they're seeing in him in, in mini camps and off the field. I'm just wondering at some point, we waited for it all year last year. I overdrafted Derrick Henry all over the place. 
does he start to chip away now? DeMarco Murray, as well as he played last year, and as great as his final numbers ended up being, if you look at it on a graph, he steadily declined in performance as the year went on towards the end of the year last year. Could have been, you know, the issues, injuries across that offense. But I just wonder, with everything good being said about Derrick Henry, that noise is starting to get stuck in my head. Do we have any concern about a DeMarco Murray? At uh, round two, pick two, I do. Uh, it falls into my strategy. Now, I, I I have a weird strategy. And my, my strategy every year is to stay away from the boomer bus guys, it's, except especially on the boom upside. DeMarco Murray probably played last year better than he will play this year. There should be a slight downfall in his numbers. You know, I don't, like I said, I don't look at running backs until round three or four. You know, Adrian Peterson in round four, I'll take him up all day long in that New Orleans pass offense. I would take a chance on Doug Martin, who should fall even farther. Uh, you know, a LeGarrette Blunt, I'll probably pass on. But, you know, this this football tier in the second half of the draft after round four or five is littered with guys that can probably bounce back and win you leagues. So why am I going to overpay on a Derrick Henry where I have questions, concerns, and I'm a little bit scared where, you know what, maybe I'll wait three rounds and, you know, draft a Mir Abdullah or an Eddie Lacy or, you know, maybe a CJ Anderson, depending on where he falls, definitely a Tevon Coleman who's undervalued and build my roster that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Eddie Lacy is right now is really undervalued and deservedly so. I mean, let's let's be frank. But, you know, like you said, if you're going in the rounds five and six, you know, throwing in some running backs here, there's a guy right there that could actually carry your team. I mean, Seattle doesn't mind running the football if they can find somebody to run it. And that was always was a problem with Christine Michael, um, Rawls, yeah, you know, he's had the, the flashes, but he doesn't seem to be. They want that dominant force back there. And I think somebody sees Lacey as being, you know, the new beast mode in Seattle. And I'll tell you what, if he can even do a 70% what Lynch did, man, you'd be fine picking him up in some of these later rounds. But see, see, that's that's kind of why I don't want to overpay for a running back, especially a running back. I personally have questions about why it, it's all about comfort. And, you know, it takes a lot of cojones to wait till the felt fourth or fifth round to draft your first running back. But by that time, you've loaded up on maybe a tight end, a couple wide receivers. So when everybody's starting to switch their their ideal and try to fill out other positions, then you can swoop in. You know, don't forget. The Falcons loved Tavon Coleman. He was going to be the starting running back a couple years ago until he broke his ribs, and then Freeman had a great year and became a top running back. Coleman, they still gave every opportunity to Coleman last year to to carry the ball. Coleman's going round six. I take a chance on that. Mark Ingram, as much as I like Adrian Peterson, he's up there in age. He's a little bit injury prone, and it takes one tweak, Tammy, for Mark Ingram to be uh, uh, the starting running back, he's sitting in round six. You know, you got Powell. You could easily steal him a little bit later. Frank Gore, who's been consistent, not sexy. Uh, Latavius Murray. If he's any bit of a a decent running back in my in Minnesota, he'll be good. And he's in round seven. So, I, you know, I, I I think this this later draft is setting up perfect for running backs that are. You know, Brian, for bounce back, I'm more excited for the bounce back running backs than the bust running backs. All right. Well, we know you're going to wait for those for those running backs, so we have to presume you're going after those wide receivers early in the draft. I, Rick, I think we should rename this show the Brandon Cooks Podcast because he's come up on every show. I don't want, know what to make of the guy. Has a has an wide receiver one ADP. Opinions have been mixed, everyone we've talked to, all across the board. Before I give my opinion for the 18th time on these airways, Dennis, where do you stand with Brandon Cooks in New England? I'm a Patriots guy. Uh, originally from New England, I love my Patriots, but Brandon Cooks is not random Randy Moss. And that was the last good wide receiver Tom Brady had that was really fantasy drool-worthy. Now, 
the people are automatically saying, oh, this guy's going to get Randy Moss-type production. I don't think so. I think you could say he'll put up equal to, to maybe a little bit less than he did in New Orleans. I, I, I truly believe that. Now, if on draft day, if it's Amari Cooper or Brandon Cooks, I'm going Cooper. Uh, you know, other wide receivers kind of around there. I'm going DeAndre Hopkins over Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's going a little bit later. I would roll the dice on Terrell Pryor over Brandon Cooks. Uh, I like Allen Robinson for a bounce back over Brandon Cooks, and I kind of would call start getting in that push position there. Uh, Alshon Jeffries would be kind of a head scratcher. As much as we all want to believe that this is going to be a high-octane Philly offense, I think I would still take Brandon Cooks over and Alshon Jeffries. Yeah, that's what we've actually been saying as well. I mean, look, Brandy Moss, whatever he was, 6'4", with a you know vertical leap of 4,000 feet. But, I mean, you know, Brandon Cooks isn't that guy, and there's never been anybody taking Randy Moss's place. And it's if Gronk's healthy, it's Gronk. You still have Edelman. Amendola's still floating around catching a few balls. Chris Hogan making the Steelers look like idiots. I mean, he'll throw to anybody. So I just don't understand why the pundits are anointing this guy as the next number one wide receiver to come out of New England when there really isn't any since Randy Moss. And I think that's the problem is everybody just remembers Randy Moss. Well, you remember what Randy Moss did. You, you, Tom Brady, you know, keyed in and started loving one wide receiver at that point. But the, the, at that point, there was what, uh, maybe, gosh, I'm trying to even remember who was the was, right receiver course. Was it Troy like Brown? Troy was Brown, gone. maybe, yeah. Oh, is he gone then? I, he yeah. might have been gone around there. I might think have been he was, playing cornerback for all we know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're talking about two different wide receiver cores. There, I, I don't think Gronkowski was on that team then, was he? No. No, See, I think it was so, like, um, yeah, it wasn't Watson. Ben Watson? Ben Watson, maybe? Watson, or yeah. maybe? I don't remember. I can't remember. See, See, you're talking about two different, you know, uh, we all make fun about New England not having a skilled wide receiver, but they do. They, they have possession-wide receivers, and that's what they want. You've got one go-deep guy. Look how that worked out for the Lions. To- totally, I'm not making a total comparison here, but you, you, you know, we all fell in love with a Marvin, was it Marvin uh, Jones yeah. last season after, what, one or two big games? That's exactly what Cooks is going to be. He's going to have a couple big breakout games, and if you own him and he has you know 150 yards and three touchdowns, I'm trading him the next day. Because next three games, he may not even dress because they're going to have a totally different <laughs> offensive game plan. And okay, I, here's the here's the wide receiving core. You know, you had Randy Moss, you had Wes Welker, you had Dante Stallworth, you had Jabbar Gaffney, and Troy Brown was still hanging around, but he he didn't play much. But I mean, that was the Stallworth, Gaffney, Welker, Moss tandem right yep. there. And so, and I understand the sentiment of. I think we're, most people are unanimous in the sentiment that New England is going to put up huge numbers once again. This is what they're going to do. And as a fantasy owner, I think in the back of your mind, you want to be a part of that. My question would be to anybody ranking Brandon Cooks so, so highly is why would you spend that price on a Brandon Cooks when and somebody please explain to me how in a PPR format, how in the hell Julian Edelman's a wide receiver three sitting at 26 right now. If you want a part of that, I'll value Julian Edelman way ahead of what I'll value a Brandon Cooks, especially in a PPR format. Hey, it's not only him, but you have a Brandon Marshall going in round five, what, like two picks ahead of him. Right. And and Uh, we all know that Eli likes to throw the football. And people, this is the thing that amazes me. When Marshall went to a good passing team in the New York Giants, you have Odell Beckham, and now you have Brandon Marshall. You got Shepard. No running game, basically, to speak of, and a quarterback that loves to throw the football. Why do people think, well, there's not going to be enough to go around for everybody? Why not? I remember, you know, when you had uh, Brian Greasy throwing to, who was it, Ed McCaffrey and, and Rod Smith. I mean, they were top five wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers throwing to 
who was it? Jordy Nelson and I forget the other one. Was it Cobb that was a top right. you know, seven or something like that a couple of years ago? I mean, there's plenty to go around if teams want to throw the football. I, you know, I think those the people that say there's not enough mouths to feed are the same people that don't really look at game plan, run versus pass. Uh, they'll find a way to eventually run the ball. I, whether it's Perkins or not, they'll figure that part out. But it's not going to be enough. And I still feel like this is a team that will be playing from behind a lot. Man, not blowouts, but playing from behind. So am, am I going to expect a whole bunch of 100-yard games out of a Brandon Marshall? No. But I could see 7 to 10 catches in PPR League. That makes up for you know lack of touchdowns, and depending on the point-wise, and, and lack of big yards. So I, I like him in that aspect. I don't remember the exact count without you know pulling up the stats, but I do recall just a couple of years ago when Brandon Marshall, I don't know, he was like, what, 14 touchdowns, and Eric Decker was like 15 with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't see why there can't be a lot of touchdowns going around in New York. And there will be. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be meaningful or not as a Patriots guy. I, I hope they lose every game. Uh, better Betty party won, but <laughs> hey, look. Look, this is a whole different fantasy football that, that we're used to even four years ago, where four years ago you had to get every single running back right away, and then wide receivers were a second thought. Now, it, it, there's enough running backs where you can realistically wait till round three or four and still have a great running back core. Uh, there is still – you could end up starting to draft your first wide receiver in round three – and still potentially put together a, a team of like, uh, let's say DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson is your top two wide receivers. Which, if if you're comfortable with you know hopes and prayers, that's not a too bad wide receivers to start with. Yeah, no question. And, and so I, I wonder. Then we talk about this, and I've agreed with everything you said. But I wonder. So we can start, you know, everything. do well in the fourth round. Start with r- wide receivers. You know, chase and running backs in fifth and sixth grade. Fifth and sixth grade, yeah, or uh, rounds if if you, if we want to speak English. How are you starting now for your drafts? How, what, what's it look like for you? Because what I'm finding, I finally, after years of fighting with you on these very airwaves, started to buy into waiting on running backs early on. But as as PPR has really become the norm, as throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game has become the norm. It's almost pushed a lot of these receivers together for me where I almost feel like the better value's there. I'm looking at – we're talking about that fifth round. I'm In the fifth round now, I can have a Golden Tate, Julian Edelman, Larry Fitzgerald, Crowder, Brandon Marshall, Martavis Bryant. I'm comfortable with any two of those if I could load up with uh, – I don't know. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell's not a good example – but uh, LaShawn McCoy with a J-I-J-E, one, one of those guys, I'd almost, I'm almost compelled to go back to going there early and playing the game with the wide receivers in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. Uh, you, you make a great point. And I'll say this. If I don't have the top three pick, Bell, Elliott, David Johnson, I'm, I'm not taking a running back. There are just too many questions. You know, LaShawn McCoy, can, can he stay healthy? If I'm going to take a realistically pick, five, six, or seven, and take LaShawn McCoy, I need to know that he's going to be healthy. I need to know that Buffalo will give him the fantasy points. I love Melvin Gordon, but you've got one horrible year versus one amazing year. Does that equal a top eight pick? Not for me. Not safe. I like to build my teams with safeness. Devontae Freeman might be, out of the top three, a safe running back. Jay I like him. Is he a safe running back? I, once again, one good year. I don't know how many. How many times have we all said, "Oh, we love Stephen Davis or uh, uh, Sean Alexander"? We all jump on those guys, and then the next year they just plummet. They have horrible years, and I've I refuse to get caught with a running back like that again. I've had too many. It's like PTSD for running backs. I've had too many of those. <laughs> Those, those bad experiences with running backs where if you go back and you look at you know CBS, ESPN, the top 15 to 20 running back rankings every year before the season, and you go back, and everybody at home do this, go back, type in 
you know, running back rankings for 2013, 2014, 20. You go back those years, out of the top 15, seven of them are not in the top 15 every single year. Why am I going to gamble like that? I'm not. Yeah, I, I, there's no question about that. Running backs aren't, and I, I don't know why, quite frankly, like they used to be, you know, oh, you get Emmett Smith or you get Walter Payton or whatever, you Barry Sanders, whatever. The, you, know, you had when that guy and he'd be there. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I played fantasy football when there was Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith and all these guys, and you didn't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? It was – but you don't have those running backs anymore. I mean, the game has just evolved. I mean, I agree. I think LaShawn McCoy is a very worthy pick. But with his injury status, if I'm taking him in the first round, I'm down around the turn. I'm going to get a McCoy and then whatever. It depends what strategy I'm going to go with. I'm either going to get a McCoy and a Freeman, bang, bang, or I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then do like you do. Uh, I can't get him at four. I mean, I'm going to go with the Brown or the Beckham or something like that, that early in the draft. But when some of the receivers first drop, that's when I may take these guys if I go with that, you know, prime running back thing out of the top three. And, you know, it still makes you feel squirrely because you just really don't know. Like you say, like a Melvin Gordon. He's so touchdown dependent even last year with that magnificent year. If he has only six touchdowns this year, and, you know, I mean, he was still under 1,000 yards. I mean, that's certainly not a guarantee. Those guys scare me. And and let's say you're you're drafting and you end up with Mark Ingram uh, and Latavius Murray as probably two out of your top three running backs. And Ingram or Murray goes down with an injury, you're not freaking out because you just lost your seventh round pick. You'll hit the waiver wire and you'll be all right, and you'll find a way to plug his production. It, it, every year, the waiver wire early is littered with good running backs. Now, if if you lose Lashawn McCoy or Melvin Gordon goes three games without a touchdown, uh, let's say Demarco Murray is you know banged up. He has a history of that. You're going to freak out because that's your top one or two picks. Uh, wide receivers, sure, there are wide receivers that get injured. But you, know, you look at the wide receiver ranking versus points every year, and for the most part, it's consistent. Wherever the pundits rank the wide receivers, they finish around that area. To me, that's safer. I'm, I'm building my team safe. Unless you started every draft last year late in the first round with, with Allen Robinson, and then that didn't work out so good. I'm still smarting from that. 2016 was a rough year for me. And DeAndre Hopkins. I, yeah. I get yeah. And, it, and it happens. But for every Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins, you, you, you get your Martavius Bryants maybe, your Jarvis Landry's who was a late-round pick. Uh, man, who else were there last year or last couple of years that kind of come out of nowhere? Terrell Pryor's, uh, you know, the, it, Terrell Pryor was was a waiver wire guy. T. Y. Hilton was what a fourth or fifth round guy last season. Uh, Michael Thomas was super late. Jordy right. Nelson, yep. I, I know there were leagues where Jordy <laughs> was going seventh, eighth round. So you know, same thing with wide receivers. I get it, but I think the top tier wide receivers, the top. Seven wide receivers are more consistent than the top seven running backs, I think. I, I, I can't disagree with you. So I want to hop over, as, as we've discovered today, and I was unaware of this until today, as long as we've known each other, that uh, Dennis Farrell noted Patriots guy. So somebody I have been buying in a lot of shares of in PPR formats late in drafts where I, I've implored your strategy and waited on my running backs is James White. I Looking back, 60 catches last year, over 500 yards, nothing to speak of in the rushing game, always a mess with New England running backs. James White, am I buying into the postseason hype, or is this guy becoming sort of what everybody wants Deion Lewis to be in that offense? Uh, you know what? Uh, Patriots running backs are so fickle because we love Deion Lewis. Look what he did. I, I would say, uh, man, and I put my thoughts together on this. I'm not stuttering here, but I would say, 
I would say he's like a theoretic where we know what theoretic in Detroit can do, but he's only good in PPR. Uh, you're not going to get much rushing the ball out theoretic. You might get five or six passes, but you don't have to overpay. Uh, theoretic's going around round 10, unless you live in Detroit and some slappy's going to take them <laughs> in five rounds earlier. But, uh, you know, as long as you don't have to overpay for him, you you should be all right. And, you know, he doesn't have an ADP that scares me away. I think he's going, you know, round 12. Uh, depending on what running backs with my strategy I end up with, I'm taking James White, and he'll probably at that point be my fourth or fifth wide receiver. And I would definitely take him before Deion Lewis, I think. Oh, yeah. I I wonder if Deion Lewis makes that team, quite frankly. So you mentioned Theo Riddick, and you, you've brought up Amir Abdullah a couple times. His ADP is one that is scaring me a little bit. We saw that one play in the preseason. Everybody lost their mind. Not your team, but you're there in Detroit. Does this guy have the ability to be what we think he can be, what we want him to be, or is he just another guy? It's the health concerns that scare me. Right now he's going around five, and I don't think I would touch him there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a list of guys that are going below him. And I would look at Mark Ingram before him. I would look at Tavon Coleman before him. Um, if he ran at Feld around six, absolutely I'd take him. But I also would take Eddie Lacy, C.J. Anderson, uh, Doug Martin, all before him. Yeah, Doug Martin kind of scares me, but uh, the potential is there with that guy. There's, there's no question about that. Here's another guy that I want to bring up, and – Right now, he's ahead of Ty Montgomery. We're talking running backs, of course. Ty Montgomery, Mark Ingram, and Peterson. He's ahead of Belil Powell, C.J. Anderson, Eddie Lacy. I mean, you know where we're at down here with these guys. But um, Spencer Ware, not a high-powered offense by any stretch. They already left left, uh, Jeremy Macklin go. Um, Alex Smith isn't a real – running back passing guy Spencer Ware really ha- isn't a, a dominant player yet he's still the 18th ranked running back you know I, I find that interesting I like that he's kind of hanging around down there and you know the, the problem with this is we could we could talk our heads off all day long but uh, and, and then as Amir Abdullah showed us last season it one play can change your ADP by two to three rounds so let's say, you know, tomorrow right now he's got an ADP of three. I'd feel more comfortable if it was a little bit lower. Um, by fantasy football calculator, it says, you know, Mixon, McCaffrey, Ware, Hyde, and Peterson. Uh, if I had to rank them, I may – and that's, that's, that's tricky. I may say Peterson and McCaffrey are pushed, then Spencer Ware, then Hyde, then Mixon. So, you know uh, – the, the offense is not sexy. Spencer Ware has been an up-and-down guy himself. Yeah, round four, I, I would look at him, but, yeah. you know. I mean, here's a guy you talked about. They're not a sexy offense, but I'll tell you what. Here's a guy that put together almost 1,400 total yards last year. Now, his touchdowns were down, which I think held him down and in, in out of notice a lot. But you give me a running back and you put out 1,400 total yards – that's not bad. Can't do it again. That's that's you know the big question. I think he could have nine hundred total yards, which is acceptable. Which would be put put him around the fourth or fourth end of the third, early fourth round as far as production, depending on what the PPR is. But you know, this is a team that lost a lot of depth and a lot of talent. So. And we've seen it in the NFL. One player, one wide receiver can affect a whole offense that we're used to doing something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Do you have any other running backs? Because I kind of wanted to move on. You move on, brother. All right. I I just wanted to hit tight end before we have to end up. And, I mean, everybody's, you know, on the, you know, Travis Kelsey and, of course, Gronk and, and so forth. Is Greg Olson, you know, getting too old? Or is Cam Newton, you know, are they going to stay down? But he's still a solid performer. Jordan Reed, can he stay healthy? But those are your your, your guys that are up there. 
Hunter Henry is to me a very sneaky value. I mean, he's down there at 10th right now, still a tight end one. But uh, with San Diego, you know, Gates just keeps getting older and, you know, almost quietly going away. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's going to be some big, you know, ending for him. He just seems to be going away. But Hunter Henry just really seemed to ooze into that position more or less last year. And I think this guy could be a sneaky value at tight end. You know, I, I have him at number 10 for me right now in my tight end rankings. I, I like him better than Ertz. Um, you know, I, I keep teasing myself. Do I want to put him ahead of like a Kyle Rudolph? I, I don't think I can do that just yet. But, you know, if you miss out on the Kelsey, the Reeds, the Olsons, the Gronk, you know, there are still guys like Tyler Eford I would still like a little bit better. Martellus Bennett I think I would still like a little bit better. Uh, but, Henry over Urcher, over Ebroncher, uh, over Fleener, absolutely. Over Jason Witten, no doubt. Okay, so I, I apparently I'm the outlier on this one. Here's my concern. <laughs> Here's my concern with Hunter Henry. I actually have him at 14. Now, that, these are very fluid rankings at this point. Going back to last year, while it felt like he was injured the the entire season, I believe Antonio Gates played 14 games. He had seven touchdowns in those 14 games, where Henry had eight and 15 games. If you're keeping Antonio Gates around, I imagine he's still commanding a you know a top tier tight end salary towards the end of this contract in San Diego. While Hunter Henry's going to be on the field a lot more often, getting a lot more looks between the 20s, when, when, it, when we get down inside the red zone, I think when you have a talent the likes of Antonio Gates, if he's healthy, at best you're looking at a split. You're looking at two tight ends fighting for the, for the, for the touchdowns and for the goal line work. And the only time in memory I can think of a two tight end situation working from a fantasy football standpoint before he started murdering people was Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. We never saw it before. We haven't seen it since. So I have to worry that if Antonio Gates is healthy, while Henry's going to get the bulk of the work, Antonio Gates is going to take enough that I don't know how comfortable I am with Henry being my number one tight end. Yeah, boy, that's that's a great point. I'll, I'll say this. How quick do you think San Diego will bill out of that running game if it's ineffective? Because I have a feeling that they're not going to be as committed to it, especially because they don't have Woodhead. Uh, you know, if Melvin Gordon shows that he can't carry that whole load, that he's he's not, like you said, he didn't rush for 1,000 yards last season. You look at the offense, and you have this Williams kid. You have, whether you believe or believe that he will, can or cannot stay healthy again, you have, uh, you know, Allen coming back. Now, this is... This is a team that's slowly getting more wide receiver talent, which will open up the field. And Breeze, you know, as much as we like to watch him scramble, he's he's not, uh, you know, not Breeze. What, what am I thinking? I'm sorry, Rivers. But uh, Well, you went it, way it's, back uh, there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but Rivers, I, I think you'll see him, you know, start protecting himself more. Start hitting those tight ends for quick passes. He's not going to stand in there and take those hits that he took two years ago. I, I think this is going to be a a very, I don't want to use the word fast-paced, but he's not, not going to hang on to the ball like he used to this year. Keep an eye on that. This is this is stuff I'm seeing, and, I'm, and I'm, I think that plays into the tight ends. Now, you're absolutely right. Uh, Gates, when he's healthy, he's there. But that's always been the question of when he's healthy. And I think it's going to be the same way this year where, you know, when we go into the season, everybody might start drafting Gates ahead of Henry. You may not want to draft him as your number one, but you know, you look at those tight ends that we were talking about. None of them are going to cost you outside the top. What is that? The four. None of them are going to cost you crazy round draft picks. You know, you could get Ben a little bit later. You could get Rudolph a little bit better later. Uh, maybe even the Delaney Walker. So you're not going to have to pay that high of a price of Henry where you have to make that decision of, oh, man, is Henry going to be my number one? Because, 
you you could still get Henry as your number two and walk out with a tandem of Henry or Ebron or Bennett and Henry and still be all right. I'm going to put a question to both you guys. The uh, tight end last year, 2016, with the most catches in the entire NFL, is no longer in the league. Do you guys know who it is? No, I don't. No. Dennis Pitta. Gary, oh. Gary Barnage has already openly um, you know, expressed interest in Baltimore. He's ready. Number one, two-part question. And I think the answer is yes to the first part. But is Baltimore interested in Barnage? And do you think a guy like Barnage, a, a veteran that really knows his way around, can him and Flacco create a little bit of at least quarterback tight end magic? I'll never buy into Joe Flacco air show. But, you know, we've seen what Barry, Gary Barnage did in, in Cleveland for the last couple of years. Is, is it possible to have, a, you know, a nice little hookup with these two? Man, you they they have what Ben Watson there already, and I would I'd like to see him come back. You know, it's a concussion problem that's really been Barnage's downfall. I, I that scares me. I he, they may kick the tires, and I think if he came back, he was a hundred percent sure he could easily probably be with his skill set uh, a top tight end. But once again, you know, are you going to spend? I I would take a waiver wire flyer on him. But I don't know. I mean, when you get down to guys like I'm, I might take Dwayne Allen over him at that point, who's in New England now. Um, I might take a Jared Cook. Uh, boy, uh, I might take Julius Thomas and Antonio Gates, who are all super low right now and could be set up for a rebound and tight ends over a Barnage because I just don't want to take a draft pick on a guy that takes one nasty hit and that's it. All right, well, we are running out of time here, so I'm just going to put you right on the spot. A guy or two you're targeting this year. I guess we can call it a sleeper. I never like these terms, but somebody you're targeting that, that may be lower on list that, that's going to make the difference for, for Dennis Farrell. Uh, you know, I'll start with a guy like Sammy Watkins who's going in round four, and that's, that's just a start, guys. Uh, I like Sammy Watkins for a bounce back a little bit this year. Um, I like Jamison Crowder now that they're starting to get other wide receivers and younger there. Uh, yeah, boy, who else is there out there that I might like? Jeremy Macklin in Baltimore. Uh, you know, Eric Decker in Tennessee. This, this, There's a ton of wide receivers that, you know, you don't have to worry because your fourth round, your fourth wide receiver on your fantasy team could easily outscore your third, and you have, wouldn't have to worry. That's how deep wide receivers are that late. Um, as far you know, the one thing we didn't talk about is quarterbacks. You know, Jameis Winston's a guy I'm looking at. Kirk Cousins is a guy I'm looking at. Uh, you know, I, I everybody's starting to get down on Cam Newton, and I'm going to let them. And I think you'll see Cam Newton start falling the more you see fantasy experts say I'm going to pass on him. And a guy like Cam Newton falling to round nine, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, if he if he's going to get down that far, it was a disappointing season. So so much went on there. Yeah, if they want to if they want to start letting him slip that far, I'll go. So one one last thing, I, I was thinking about guys that uh, that that may bust or, or maybe boom, and we had a big discussion on our last show about the the Redskins running back situation. Now, while I don't think there's going to be any focus on the running game there, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. I think they're going to fling the ball all over the yard with all the talent they all of a sudden have at the wide receiver position. Rick's still in love with Fat Rob, got him as a number two running back. He's somebody who's not even on my radar. I might be willing to buy into Pirine later on. I don't think there's a fantasy-relevant running back in Washington right now. I'd like to believe that. I would love to believe that there is one. Um, but once again, when you go with my strategy, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, uh, it doesn't matter because you are closing your eyes, you're taking darts, and you're going to throw them at a dartboard and look for great buys, people sleeping on uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, sure, the, the, Perian is a, would be a nice. I would still maybe take a look at like a Robert Kelly. Uh, I would, I, I might take Robert Kelly 
over him. But I, once again, Robert Kelly would have to fall to like round nine for me to think about it. And that point, uh, Jamal Charles would have to be gone. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where fill out your draft. Don't be afraid to take some chances later in the draft, but don't take the chances early. It just doesn't make sense. No, you're absolutely right when there's such a glut of talent on top. I mean, especially in the wide receiver position, you're absolutely right. And I do concur with what you guys are talking about with Gary Barnage. It just There's just a lot of uh, too many ifs there with Baltimore. But, you know, getting back to what you were saying, it, and there's other bounce-back guys too. Des Bryant, there's, we haven't even talked about him. I mean, he was disappeared last year with injury, and it just didn't really show the chemistry of, with Prescott. I tell you what, he's a, he's a top tenor. I, I, there, do I'm, you have concern? That's a good question. We've only got five minutes left, so we'll wrap okay. up on this. Do you have concern that when Bryant came back at the end of the year and was presumably healthy, that there still didn't seem to be the rapport there with Prescott? Do you have any concern about that? I have some concern, yeah. quite frankly. I mean, if it's me with, like, Des Bryant or Amari Cooper, I'm taking Cooper because I love the chemistry that they have. But – you know, Bryant's, you know, he's, he's, you have to go to a guy like him. I, I, you have a full training camp now where they're going to be working together and going into a season. Exactly. So I think it's going to be there. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you take a rookie, you give him a limited playbook, and then you throw an impact player in that has his own special plays and wasn't around when you first started. It, it's tough to, as great as he is to go outside that comfort zone as as Prescott grew, that offense moved. I liked it a lot, but I, I say this. I'm not worried about Dez, but I will throw one more name out there who I think everybody should have on their draft boards. Going in about round nine is Jamal Charles in Denver. I love him this year that late. I think Jar- Charles might have the potential end up as a top 12 running back this season based on less is more. He's not going to take the impacts. He's going to get hit less. This is a guy that will benefit from, you know, two, maybe even another three running back system in Denver and an offense looking for a identity. Jamal Charles could be that savior. Now that's bold. <laughs> that's really bold. I have completely and utterly written Jamal Charles off. I Okay. The the thing that I that I do agree with Dennis on Rick is if he makes it through training camp and preseason without being injured, I mean, we saw Kansas City holding. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Then he didn't. He was coming back. Then he didn't come back. Then when he finally did come back, he couldn't play and he was done. But if he can get through training camp and preseason, my interest is peaked now. I mean, because the the load's going to be so much lighter on him. Now, I mean, is he going to be Jamal Charles of old? No chance. But, yeah, I mean, way down in the draft, yeah, I'll take a flyer on him. Yeah, if he's there in round 10 in 12-team leagues, how do you not do that? Because, you know, you look at the – as I said, go back and look at those running backs and be completely honest with yourself in the first four rounds. How many of those running backs have legitimate questions? Oh, exactly. Jamal Charles, you know, could easily sneak into – I said 12, but I really mean a top 15 running back. We are up against the clock, but I want to throw this at you real quick, too. We saw what LeGarrette Blunt did in New England, and everybody's down on him in Philly. How about Gillisey trying to fill those shoes in New England? We talk about, you know, everybody else in New England, but we really didn't mention him. I, 18 touchdowns? No. But, I mean, could he be the goal line guy? Could he be a 10, 12 touchdown guy? Not in round five. I, you know. Oh, that's once again scares me because it takes one bad play, one fumble to be in a doghouse and never be seen again in New England. Uh, you know, Mike has every bit of the skill to be that guy, but I, I don't think he's going to fill those shoes. And I don't think it'll be that same exact running back structure when, when things shake out. He he may not be the 100 percent guy. They may have two goal line guys at that point. So I just don't trust it. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I don't trust a hoodie anywhere along the line. I mean, just when you think, okay, yeah, we got these guys figured out, something's totally different the next year. So, I mean, I agree with you 100%. And uh, I don't know really where else to go with New England. I mean, we cover them, and it's kind of like you just don't trust anybody other than Brady and Gronk, really, when it gets right down to it. 
But um, there's just so many questions. I wish you could, uh, you know, come back on here later on as we get closer to the season. I can. I'll be back next week and the week after and the week <laughs> after that. I'm not going anywhere, guys. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate it. How much time <laughs> we got, Rick? He just kind of, oh, we got to get moving. He just, he's over in the control room giving me the old throat uh-huh. cut here. So, Dennis Farrell, we really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to do it more and more often. And we will see you in Canton in the first part of August. I'll be there. All right. And that was Dennis Farrell. And, um, you know, just hang on. Maybe we can talk a little bit after the show, Dennis. And, uh, Rick, you're back here. That's right. Time to wrap it up. Thanks so much, Dennis Farrell, for joining this week. We'll be back next week right here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Check us out on Twitter, at AsylumFootball, asylumfootball at gmail.com. If you have any draft questions you need answered, and check out the – archives of the show at AsylumFantasySports.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.